Hola, amor. Hola, cariño. Y bienvenidos a Uy, qué horror. A Latinx horror movie podcast with Johnny and Eileen. En este espeluznante podcast, we explore the often overlooked world of Latinx horror films. Cada semana, we watch and discuss horror films from different countries in Latin America. Or with a Latinx director. Or starring a Latinx lead. Si es de horror y Latinx, we're watching it. Nuevos episodios every Monday. Listen to Uy, qué horror wherever you get your podcasts. Happy 420. It's Tutia Bruja. I'm Bex Carlos. And I know not everyone indulges in the plant, but I am always of the school of thought that we should be against injustice and we should be against racism. And even just supporting cannabis being legal is an effort to do just that. So yesterday I was really blessed to just catch you up on my life a little bit. I was able to give a class at Sincerely the Craft. Uh, it's an occult shop here in St. Louis. It's super cute, black owned, and it's just, they support indie creators and I love that. If you're here locally, please check it out. If not, support them online or make it a reason to come to St. Louis. I mean, I'm here too, but I gave a class and it was so amazing. Everyone was so supportive and it's just made me reflect a little bit on my relationship with cannabis and just my relationship with magic period and where that connects to. And the thing I love about cannabis is that it is such a nurturing plant. I think when I smoke is when I feel in a space to be vulnerable. Because I don't know if you've noticed if you've been on this ride on this podcast with me for a while now, but your girl have a lot of feelings and your girl catastrophizes. She thinks that the sky is falling all of the time. And I'm working on it. You know, it's something that I'm trying to leave like a snake releasing and letting go of my skin. I hope to no longer carry that in the next chapter of this life I'm in. So uh, I've been thinking back a lot to my relationship with being Latine, Latina, Latinx, whatever terminology you use. And I've realized that it's been a difficult one. Uh, Because as someone who is in the liminal space, I never felt good enough for one organ enough for another. And it's only now because I think our 30s are kind of like the best time for us because we become a feral version of our kids self. And I feel like personally, I don't know about you. I don't know you very well. You might not even be to 30 yet, but maybe this is something you'll experience. My 30s feel both terrifying and the most exhilarating ride I've been in. Like everything I've been working up to at this point is finally showing for better or for worse. You can only be in denial for so long. And I'm just so grateful that I, through sheer force of will, I taught a cannabis magic class, you know? And I just think about the wild ride I've had, the fact that I got really into making cannabis infused treats, kitchen witchery, if you will. And I was able to partner with Levo Oil and make a gummy recipe. I just think about all the things that I can do, have done. And it's really still sometimes I wonder if eight-year-old me is like content or if she's still trying to figure out who she is, you know? 
being in the liminal space and not feeling like one or the other, that in itself was hard. I, you know, I feel like there were people here and there who criticized every little thing I did. And it was just really hard to exist in this overwhelming feeling of like, am I enough? And also, there's so much misunderstanding within the Latina, Latino, Latinx community. I mean, there, we're not a monolith, right? But that being said, it's also difficult because nobody's on the same page or there seems to be this sense of like excluding others. Like I heard this conversation the other day that Mexicans shouldn't be included in Latino, Latina, Latinx, whatever, because there was essentially just a bunch of Spaniards living there. And that's, I think, the thing that's difficult about not knowing the history of a lot of places because Mexico has a caste system. So yes, there were a lot of Spaniards living there. The next level in the caste, uh, what was it? It was like Españoles. And then was it Groyo? I think was the term if you were a Spaniard who was born in Mexico. So it's like your parents were from Spain, but you actually were born in Mexico and so on and so forth. And it's a very complicated system and not to say that those people don't exist, but there's also a lot of people like myself, my parents, my ancestors that we are mestizo. And the story of how we came to be here isn't very nice or pretty and it's complicated. And also it's hard to put a title that kind of is over everybody because I personally don't have a lot of knowledge or experience with Brazil. but. My two guests today do. They spent some time there. They lived there. So I'm really stoked for today's episode because as I pull back the layers and get in touch with eight-year-old me and and some of the stuff that I'm figuring out as an adult because I have the safe space to do it now, I think about like little me and just like the things that she dealt with and how stressed she was and how much she loved horror movies. And Johnny and Eileen, the hosts of Uike Aurora, Join me today in a conversation about what it's like to be a creepy little kid who loves horror movies, what it's like to not feel like you're enough for one or the other and you kind of just survive in this limbo, what it's like feeling guilt for the fact that when you are a white Latino, I am. I'm a very white looking, I'm a white Latino. I'm the lightest one out of my family. And it is interesting to me how genetics work, right? Because there are some people that if you if you did some genetic testing on them right now, you would have no idea that they have a large majority of African roots or that they don't actually have any European roots and their background is mostly indigenous or black or Jewish or a number of people that have lived in Mexico. Mexico is a tapestry of different just as all of Latin America is and it's really hard to put a word to a whole group of people and not understand that they are so different. We get vulnerable in this episode as we should when talking about the deep meanings in so many horror films that are sometimes just written off for being too much or terrifying or what have you. And we talk about George A. Romero and how we as Latinas, we claim him. He's ours. Let's get into this episode. Okay, I finally just had to press record because I feel like today I am so blessed. Thank you, universe, for allowing uh, the two hosts of Uike Auror, Johnny Eileen, to be on Putia Bruja. Thank you again, guys. Like, I'm so excited for this conversation. Our pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting us to be here. Honored. 
honestly honored. Oh my god, of course. Yes, thrilled. I think it's so beautiful, you know, when Latin people can build this amazing thing. And this is what we're doing today. I love your podcast, Uikero, because I don't know about y'all, but I was always kind of like the creepy horror, like obsessed kid. Yep. And I am so blessed in a time now where we can be openly ourselves and not feel like somos de Satanás or like we're evil, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Right. (laughs) I kind of love still feeling like que somos de Satanás. There's something, there's something a little powerful of having a slight fear of you. Sure. Listen, what's that famous phrase? Would you rather be feared or loved? And I think I would like a little bit of both. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's just because being the creep is fun sometimes. You're so right. And I think that the thing that's the best about your show is both of you are letting your horror fan fly. Like your flag is just flying and you're living your best life. <laughs> but your friendship your friendship that just shines through. Like, I, I hope you all realize you have something great here. Thank you. That means a lot. Uh, yeah, that's very sweet. I mean, it's we've heard before being around other people when him and I are together, when Johnny and I are together around other people, <laughs> we've heard <laughs> the others say, you guys know you say this a lot together and like you sound uh-huh. like this a bunch together and you have weird quirks and things, you know, the stuff that best friends have. And then I said, I think we can uh, we can bottle that up somehow and throw it out into the internet and make it work. Absolutely, seems as though it is, and we just we just like hanging out, I guess, right, Johnny? At least, no, absolutely, of course, I love hanging out with you. You're one of my favorite fucking people in this entire world. I know, I like hanging out with you. <laughs> um, and there will be moments, you know, where I'll just. You know, when Eileen is not present and I'll say something, you know, to my husband or to my family or something, and I'll be like, oh, I fully just stole that from Eileen. Like, that is fully an Eileenism <laughs> that has just, like, in- inhabited my body, possessed my soul, if you will. So, you know, <laughs> it's the way it is. Yes! <laughs> I would love for y'all to share your, your friendship origin story, because I listened to the show, and I had a hard time like, what's happened here? So if you could please clear it up. Well, Eileen, you're usually the one that, do you want to take this? You're usually the one that takes this, or do you want to like take a left turn and have me have a go at it? What would you prefer? I think you should go. I think there should be, because we have a couple of episodes and things and interviews where people ask us this question, and I always feel that. I think this time it should be you. Okay, well, I will I will tell my half of this but you know like i would love to hear it from your perspective (laughs) strap in bex because it is like there it's gonna take me a few moments but okay so i was born in freaking arlington virginia (laughs) boring old arlington virginia to a gringo dad but a honduran mom so that is my latine latineki side and my dad worked for an inter-american bank and because of his job by the time I was like four years old, we moved to Brazil. And so there I am, little Johnny living in Brazil. I went to the Escola Americana de Brasilia, which is the American school in Brasilia. So spoiler alert, Eileen was there too, because she literally just said, E-A-B, E-A-B, go, go Bulls. Bulls. Uh, <laughs> however, so Eileen, 
was in one grade <laughs> above me. She was actually in my brother's class. Um, and you know, when you're kids at that age, at least my experience was that like, you know, if I'm in if I'm in first grade, I don't hang out with the second graders. Like, oh, that absolutely not. We all, you know, you stay with your class. I'll stay with my first graders. Thank you very much. Absolutely not. And so, you know, Eileen and I went to the same school in Brazil for quite a few years. Like, I lived in Brazil for five years. She lived there much longer than I did. But, you know, of course, like, probably passed by her several times at, at my time at EAB, but never really got to know her. Honestly, didn't even know her name. However, like, one classic thing that happened for us is that during my brother's I don't know, 10th birthday party? Who knows? One of his birthday parties. Ninth uh, or 10th, it would have been. Yeah. So he, we had, a, you know, we had a big party at our house in Brazil. And I specifically remember this party, like, <laughs> that I went up to the DJ and I was like, play Madonna. Please just play all the Madonna. And I didn't know, like I said, I didn't know who Eileen was, but we literally have pictures of this party with Eileen in like a matching jean. In the background. <laughs> In the background, in her cute little outfit. No, it wasn't jeans, Johnny. It was it was a floral print, uh, Bermuda short vest combo. <laughs> yes, yes. For some reason, I always think that it's like a denim fabric. No, 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 no. Brocade. <laughs> so we, you know, we shared space there. But then I, my family moved away to Bolivia. Eileen <laughs> stayed in Brazil. <laughs> And then she ended up moving to Nicaragua. And then when I was a little bit older, my dad, you know, got stationed, yeah. if you will. I don't know if that's the correct thing. But his job moved him to Nicaragua after Bolivia. So Brazil, Bolivia, and then Nicaragua. And so as luck would have it, yep. <laughs> there was Eileen. She actually was, when we lived in Nicaragua, she was closer friends with my brother at first, but I kind of like <laughs> swooped in and uh, co-opted that relationship, if you will. Like one day she called our house in Nicaragua and was like, hi, I want us to talk to Chris. And I was like, well, it's Johnny on the phone. And we ended up talking yeah. for like two mm -hmm. hours. And it was the kind, I always say like, it was the kind of conversation on the phone where I I knew that this was somebody special that probably possibly be in my life for the rest of my life. You don't, you know, you just know these things with certain people yeah. in your life. That was over 20 years ago now. The Nicaragua fate that brought us back together. You know, in, in truth, we've known each other much longer than that. But it was really in Nicaragua, in Managua, Nicaragua, where we connected and we became best friends. Did I get it right, Eileen? Was that it? <laughs> That's pretty correct. Uh, that besides photos of me at Chris's birthday party, we also discovered the Halloween parade at EAB, and yeah, right. Johnny's dad had filmed it. It was your sister's wedding, and uh, you guys were like, your dad was making like a video compilation or something for her wedding, and you guys pulled out this video. And it was the Halloween parade, and Chris goes by in whatever costume he is, uh, Johnny's brother. And then uh, there I am in the background in my little cat costume going by, and I was like, holy <laughs> yeah. shit, how yeah. the hell? I never, I, you know, whoa, what the fuck? I, that's me there. It was crazy. 
It's so funny. Yesterday, Johnny uh, retweeted this thing about um, 10 Things I Hate About You because apparently it's 24 years ago (laughs) it came out. And Johnny and I have this inside joke. (laughs) Telling the same joke. Of uh, one of the lines in the movie. (laughs) And I was like, holy shit, 24 fucking years of like slapping Mm -hmm. at the same fucking joke. here we are, almost 40. (laughs) Thank you for clarifying that. Because sometimes when I would listen to the show, I would hear like, Nicaragua, Brazil. I was like, are these Rockefellers? Like, how did they live? But I'm like... And then I remember when we talked precast, I had been like, were y'all military brats? And, you know, there are obviously so many ways that people are, you know, forced to travel for work. But I was just like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. And really just think that your show does a great job of encapsulating the authentic meaningfulness of your friendship. And I think that's why it's so good. That's what we want, you know, like... That's absolutely what we want. We're just your pals that we're like hanging together. We went to the movies and saw a random ass movie. It happens to be Latine and we're chilling and gabbing about it. And that comes through. I think it's because meaningful friendship is so important to me. And that's something that I wanted to talk to you all about. Like my mom grew up in like a tiny little rancho. Both my parents did. And There's this saying that's like, Pueblo Chico, Infierno Grande. Hmm. There's a lot of distrust of other people. So I feel like my mom, unfortunately, was just like, you know, you can't always trust your friends. Like, you never know if they're actually going to have your back. And I'm like, I'm so sad that that was your experience. But that hasn't been my experience because my best friend, Jessica, like, will gab and gab and gab for hours. And I just know that she always has my back. You know, was that something like a mentality that your parents had that we have to sort of distrust everyone? I would love to get, you know, some perspective on that. Well, I know. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say with Johnny's family, absolutely not. That is not the case at all. The Atkinsons are so welcoming and loving and have an insane amount of friends. And I'm not just talking about like the kids, like I'm talking about Johnny's parents could not be more open hearted and sweet and like ready to meet people and extend friendships out. Like literally a couple months ago, Johnny's dad FaceTimed me from freaking Spain or something. And he's like, Eileen, I just met this girl that lived in Brazil and I think you should meet her next time you're in D.C. I'll introduce you. And I'm like, "Okay, David, (laughs) that is that is classic. My dad, that is very much my dad. (laughs) And Johnny's mom does like Reiki. And so she's all about like feeling from your butt and like having smiles and, and being loving and friendly. And I've never felt any type of closing feeling with the Atkinsons ever. Um, But with my family, I don't know. Uh, My mom passed away when I was 12. So like from her, the basis that I know, uh, she did have lots of friendships. I mean, she was living in Brazil with a fucking Scottish gringo husband and her like one kid. And she really made the effort to like meet the other moms at my school and like learn their dishes because, like Johnny said, Escola Americana de Brasilia was an American school in Brazil. And usually American schools in foreign countries, that's where all like the embassy kids go to. So it's not just Americans 
and you know the rich kids from said country but it's also all these kids that have military parents parents in embassies whatever the fuck right so like my mom had the egyptian moms like recipes and stuff she would go to their houses to learn how to Mm. cook and shit and like the indian moms mexican moms like all the (laughs) embassy moms were pals with my mom my dad's a drunk ass bitch so he'd always go to parties and just like yeah i'm having a great time and like they thought that was charming and lovely so i don't think at least for me, I I never felt and when I moved to Nicaragua to live with my with my aunt, my Tiliana, she would have like these like artist friend parties at our house and like all these artistas de Nicaragua, piano players and painters and like the just the this like cultural little boom happening in my house and like an opera singer would come to the piano and the piano player would play and she would sing. And I'd just be like in the background, like hanging out in the kitchen with the lady she'd hire to be the waitress for the night. And I'd be like, a ver, ¿qué estamos haciendo aquí? Vamos a ver todos los amigos cantando or like that lady dancing or this guy talking about the painting. So I think friendships were actually very important to my family, I think. Johnny? The older I get, the more um, just kind of like reflecting off what Eileen said about, you know, my family is that is so true that like (laughs) the doors of Casa Atkinson are always open. Constantly open, like quite literally. (laughs) Quite literally, like during the springtime and summer, my dad will just open the door and like, you know, just come on in, everybody. There are constantly friends staying there and everything like that. However, the older I get, the more I realize that that is specifically of my father. And, you know, he was born in Washington, D.C. He is white. His He is like, you know, Irish, Scottish mm. ancestry. He is like gringo. Y mi mamá from Honduras, she, yes, she is a very, very welcoming person. Uh-huh. Very sweet, very, honestly, the kindest person I know in my entire life. That's my mom. Pero her history is a little bit more guarded Truly. than my dad's oh my is. And Honestly, Bex, it's it's the the older I get, the more I I see myself like I am definitely <laughs> my father's son. Pero my relationship with my mom is also very very close, and I realize like oh I am so much like her in that my friendships are pretty selective. I don't have that many friends. And the the ones that I do are very, very close to me, like Eileen, you know? But it's hard for me to, oh my God, okay, we're just having it out, therapy session here on Tutia Bruja. Hey, let's do it. It's hard for me to, um, just truth be told, it is hard for me sometimes to maintain friendships. And um, I am Mariah Carey, you know, like... You can be an elusive chanteuse every now and then. I don't know what that is, but I do believe that that comes from my mother's side. And the more I observe from her, the more I'm like, there's something there where she um, she doesn't like talking on the phone. I fucking hate talking on the phone. She has very selective friendships. So do I. She loves her solitude. So do I. 
but she also happens to be the most like giving, vulnerable person I know. And it's different because that is that is the Latinx Latine port side of me. Girl. And that is the side that I feel I am more so connecting to and discovering now. And it's, I mean, I could go into this so, so much more, but I honestly just don't think I'm ready to yet, if I'm being totally honest. Pero interesting that the um, the open door policy of Casa Atkinson <laughs> is specifically my dad's. My mom very willingly was like, yes, I accept this, but it was not her choice, if you know what I mean? That is very interesting. Um, and that's not to say anything negative ag- about my father. It was never. I'm not saying there was anything specifically, uh, you know, that that's not a that's not a bad thing, you know. But that was just his way of that was his way of being like, everybody's my friend. Come on in, stay here for a week, stay here for a month, stay here for a year if you want. You know what I mean? And my mom was just like, absolutely, I am a loving person, and I say yes to this. And that, I find, is more complicated. And that is what, even though I, I'm like, oh, I, could, I see myself very much in my father. Again, I will reiterate, the older I get, I'm like, oh, but I am so very much my mother as well. Her friendship side, specifically about friendships, that is who I am. So, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. And especially because, you know, she's the one, for, she's from Honduras. She's that side of me. I can't go too deep or I'm going to start like crying or something. I have no idea what it's too much. (laughs) Well, thank you for sharing. I wonder, right, if like this is just something like family units. We're just like, well, we got to like keep to ourselves. Like trust is an effect of colonization and the the strengthening of the family unit. Stick together. Yeah. Do what we got to do. And so I think it's sort of like, don't make yourself vulnerable to other people. Like, don't let people know your weaknesses. Don't let people know what's going on with you because you never know. Wow. I always just am curious if other people have these similar shared experiences. But there's a lot of overlap, uh, I think, with like our shared experiences and how people have sort of become the way that they have from colonization. Hey. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Totally. So thank you so much for, for both sharing your perspectives. You know, it, it's such a bummer to me because friendship is truly such a gift when you find that person who understands you and sees you and like really just gets you. And I've realized that a lot of my, the friends that I have is through common interests, which like horror and creepy stuff, ghost stuff, like being such a major part of that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Johnny, I know that you have been the admitted like more so horror fan. And Eileen, this is something that you grew into, like not grew into, but like you sort of like with time became more of like, oh, okay. You're like, yeah, I do. I do really enjoy this. Yeah. I softened to it. <laughs> yeah. Johnny, do you remember what got you into the genre? And Eileen, do you remember what made you change your mind? Oh my God, Bex, where do I begin? <laughs> well, interesting. The, uh, <laughs> this teeny tiny creepy baby. I mean, I it, not to not to jump in front of you, Johnny. I'll let you give your piece, really. But I just want to describe what I picture when I picture Johnny at the beginning of his life and uh, being the creepy little nugget that he was mm-hmm. because. There's a picture of Johnny I have. It's literally the image that comes up when like I have it as my text and my phone picture of Johnny, like when you have it on your on your contacts. And he has this little bowl cut and he is just standing there smiling. 
And I look at that picture and I'm just like, and then he would go into his room and watch Freddy Krueger and, <laughs> and Michael Myers and just be like smiley and sitting there like holding his hands in his little lap and just being so excited to see somebody get gutted. Well, you know, interesting. I mean, probably not far off, but I think one of the reasons I love horror so much is because it actually genuinely scares me. You know, I, I'm not one of those people that does not get scared by these movies. So I think one of the reasons I love it is because usually I'm guaranteed a genuine reaction. But let's go way back before that. For me, I remember one of like the earliest things that drew me, I guess, to the dark side, if you will, was the movie Snow White <laughs> and the Seven Dwarves. I was, really? I, yes, I was so incredibly drawn to obsessed with the witch the witch but not the queen version of the witch the ugly crone cro yes crone version of the witch and i remember i used to love to draw and i would draw witches over and over love to draw witches and then when we moved to brazil we used to do a bunch of we used to do road trips you know across the country and my dad used to tell us these stories that we now call George stories, which were just the adventures. He would make these up on the spot. But as we were driving, you know, across Brazil, we'd be like, Dad, tell us a George story. And he'd tell us just a horrifying, scary story that happened to this man named George. And like I said, he would just like, he would make it up on the spot. And they were always genuinely terrifying. And even though I was scared, I couldn't get enough. And then also in Brazil, that's where I remember um, my brother and sister who are older than me, I remember them hanging out with older kids. And one day I snuck into the TV room where they were watching like one of the Friday the 13th movies. And I, I wouldn't look at the screen. I just remember like it was broad daylight, but just being genuinely like, oh my God, terrified. And I hadn't even seen anything. <laughs> it's just like, but I just remember the feeling, the feeling of like, oh, this is something genuine and this is something scary. And I'm like really feeling these emotions right now. And then, you know, I watched for some reason, like our movie nights <laughs> when I was a kid, like my dad was like, let's watch an American werewolf in London. And uh, <laughs> which is horrifying. And I remember like we watched um, we watched Stand By Me, which is not a horror movie, but that dead oh, body. God, it's scared the shit me out of too. me when I was a kid. That dead body at the end, I was like, no. that is of the devil. That is the, the devil. scariest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. But then, you know, the friends that I grew up with, one of our main connections was just movies. And we would watch, you know, like gateway horror, which like arachnophobia and stuff like that. And, you, and then we started watching like Nightmare on Elm Street, which I call gateway horror just because it's so ridiculously over the top. But that was like colorful and Freddy Krueger was kind of funny. And I was like, I was never scared by it. I was just so entertained. I just never looked back like that was it. So there were like always these like little seeds like the witch in Snow White and my dad's ghost stories, you know, sneaking into to see movies that I shouldn't be seeing. You know, they just kind of added fuel to the fire. And now it is my favorite genre. I love watching horror movies. I've basically always been into them. 
anytime you're like, hey, what movie should we pick to watch tonight? I will always go for the horror movie. Like, it's just, it's who I am. And I will say to like, you know, segue to Eileen's thing, in high school, I desperately was like, come with me, join me in watching all these (laughs) horror movies. Like I showed her a, a bunch of classics. She hesitantly, very hesitantly agreed, but took it upon herself later in life to be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going in head first. So that, as much as I would like to say I have a little bit, a little part of that, that is mostly her, I'm going to say 95% her just being like, (laughs) I choose to enter this expansive world of horror, if you will. Yeah, Johnny always held the door open in hopes that I would do it and like do it with him and join in. But I am uh, fiercely independent and would <laughs> and truly I was like, no, it'll be me and me alone. Because. But it was also like genuinely scary for you, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. So, like, for me growing up, my mom and my dad were never were never like, let's watch a scary movie. That's not their jam. My dad likes a detective novel kind of vibe, but it was never like, let's, my dad is too serious for horror, I think. And my mom was like, I mean, no me importa. So it wasn't a thing in our house, you know. But I do have this very vivid memory that now in my later years and after much drug and alcohol use, it may just have been a dream. But I do still remember living in Rio, which meant I was under five years old. And either my mom or a babysitter, somebody was in our house watching a movie. And all I remember was it was a horror movie and something horrible happened. The image I cannot erase from my brain and i still haven't found out what horror movie this is because it's super b i know that for sure but the scene the image i have never been able to erase from my mind is this girl who throughout the movie her thing was because it was an 80s movie throughout the movie her thing was chewing on a toothbrush for some reason and then i remember at one part like this character dies and her skeleton or like the skull like she either burns up or like flesh falls off or something happens and like her skull falls on the ground And the toothbrush is still in her mouth because obviously that was like the bit. But I remember seeing that and being like, nope, I will never fucking watch a fucking thing like this ever the fuck again. What the fuck is wrong with you, lady? Whether it was my mom or (laughs) a babysitter. And then later on in life, I remember, and Johnny has heard this a thousand times, but in Brazil... Every now and then they'd be like, okay, 9 p.m. movie, we're going to show. And then this one specific day, they chose to show Child's Play on TV. And, you know, to promote, like, at 9 p.m. the movie, they would show a little commercial during the day. And there was the shot of Chucky when his mouth is all, his nose is scrunched and his mouth is open and he's attacking the mom, I think, at some point. And that image of Chucky, I was a huge doll person. My mom loved porcelain dolls in my room. In general, dolls of all kinds I had. And I saw that and I was like, fuck that shit. Never again. Get the dolls out of here. I don't want to look at it. Fuck you. Fuck everybody. That's from hell. And so I was committed. I was like, nope, this isn't my thing. And it will never be my thing. 
And then Johnny came into my life and he's like, hey, don't you want to see the re-release of The Exorcist in the movie theater? And I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, in high school, I had brief encounters with some of these movies because I had somebody holding my hand and dragging me to them. But then like a few years before the pandemic, I like something came over me (laughs) and there was one October where I was like, you know what? I'm just going to bite the bullet and I'm going to try and watch as many horror movies as I can this month because it's October and, you know, fuck it. So I watched The Thing. I watched Alien and Aliens. I watched, I think I watched uh, the first Hellraiser or something like that. And I had a great time. They were all great movies. And I was like, okay, I need to just relax. And then and then the pandemic began and I was like on the literally the first day of lockdown I was like you know what I'm going to watch Night of the Living Dead. That's the one that I was like I think I'm officially ready to let it take over. That October I think I was only willing to let October be the time when the world shut down I said let the horror take over. <laughs> and um And it did. And here I am now, like truly, literally, we just recorded um, yesterday and I was talking about how blood and guts and goop and glop is my favorite fucking thing. And I can't get enough of it. So is that sort of when the idea for the show came to be then out of the pandemic? Pretty much. Yeah. So so Johnny and I and his now husband, Matthew, we started a movie club because we had absolutely nothing to do. And every night, every night, except for maybe I'm going to say seven to 10 days of, you know, two years, we watched either a horror movie franchise or an action movie franchise. And we went through them. And we had like palate cleansers and stuff in between, which sometimes were just standalone horror. So we watched from T to B, all the stuff. And as we were watching it, I was like, where are the Latinos at, man? ¿Dónde están los Latinos? And the thing with me is some when I get an idea, my neurodivergent brain hyperfixates. And then I thought about it and thought about it. And I said, I texted Johnny and I said, listen, I think there's the opportunity here to maybe like do some research and find some Latine movies and Maybe we should like start a podcast and just talk about horror movies. We have nothing else to do. And we did. And here we are. Yeah. (laughs) Almost three years later. Yeah. Over 100 episodes later. It's been such a delight going through them all. And I want to say if people haven't given you enough flowers for this, your ex episode, Chef's Kiss. Like. Thank you. So good. The fact that there are three different Latinos in it. Yes. Mm -hmm. The fact that, okay, I'm going to share a story with you. I haven't seen Pearl yet, but I really love Mm. X and I'm super excited to see it. I just haven't done it yet. Oh, you're going to love, I think. I was engaged to be married and we just realized that we want different things Mm. and we're still Mm -hmm. really good friends. But I had watched X after eating a couple of pieces of a mushrooms candy bar. Oh, girl. <laughs> Ooh, uh. 
<laughs> but our libidos are very different. And I realized like watching it, like amongst the other things that we didn't work in our relationship, I'm like, oh my God, if we would have stayed together, I would have been Pearl. I would have become <laughs> Pearl. Oh my God. <laughs> oh, you definitely don't want to become Pearl. That's for sure. No. So touch starved that you're like, well, I need to kill everyone. Yep. I got to yep. kill everybody who won't fuck me. <laughs> And he was like, wait, what? Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Uh, I don't know. That's my thing for whatever reason. Me and my close friends, maybe that says something about our psyches, but we watch horror movies under the influence of mushrooms. Oh, my God. That's I I mean, uh, listen, as as a very active stoner, I absolutely watch most of our movies at fully blasted but <laughs> mushrooms i feel will fuck me up listen i'm still i'm happily living in the horror world but i still every now and then have trepidation mm-hmm. like i do still have the child fear within me that's like but maybe this one is going to turn everything around. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I feel like seeing a horror movie on mushrooms is absolutely going to fucking do that to me. <laughs> My best friend, we've done it at two of her birthdays. So the first year it was Scream. So it's like we've already seen that one enough uh-huh. times. Right. And then it was Midsummer, But we really <gasps> did it to one of our friends because they hadn't seen it before. Oh, no. Wow. It's already all trippy because yeah. they're all on mushrooms. I know. <laughs> it was an experience. I'm like the complete opposite end of the spectrum where, I mean, occasionally I'll be like, oh, I'll have a few drinks or something like that. But usually I'm like, no, I need to be stone cold sober and I need to experience <laughs> every single moment of this through like full clarity just ridiculous ridiculous yeah (laughs) we all have our different things you know listen we all like to enjoy the things we love in different ways and that's absolutely okay absolutely yes and in addition to the x episode being amazing like if you haven't listened y'all like out there like please do like i'm gonna put it in the show notes because that's a must but you're because now you've done two different uh george a romero and the fact that Mm. you are probably the only resource that i have like seen that talks about his latine roots latino roots and i'm just like oh my god he's one of us one One of us us. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's I had seen a couple articles when I think he had just passed away and a lot of people had been like, but maybe Latine? Is he Latino? What is the Latino vibe in George A. Romero? And I was like, I think this is something we could talk about on the podcast. Cause that's the thing about the pod. We're very our our rules when it comes to the Latine stuff is the biggest one is we are never going to do a movie from Spain. We're just never going to do it. Everybody's constantly like, what about wreck? And it's like, I, we have said it a thousand gajillion times. No Spain. We have done movies set in Spain, but directed by Guillermo del Toro. Like we want to make sure that the Latine presence is the, the highlight of it all. You know what I mean? And I think George A. Romero was the first conversation of like, is he or isn't he? Are we ready? Are we, is this something that we're accepting within us and in up as a part of us? And it was very quick early on in our conversation that we're like, yeah, he absolutely is part yeah, of well, it. 
I remember I was the one that picked. I was like, I really want to do Night of the Living Dead mm-hmm. for the podcast. And so I I think I, I was a little hesitant, but I was like, Eileen, I need to talk to you about something because there's something I really want to <laughs> do. I actually looked back yeah. on my notes from the episode just to like find out because we always do trivia at the end of the episode. And specifically, eh, Romero's roots are from Spain. Yes. He did go to Cuba. He, he spent a lot of time there. He spent summers there. Like, he has memories of being in Cuba. His father has family there, is what uh, I discovered through our trivia. And so for us, you know, like, our, everybody's, you know, roots can be a complicated, you know, thing. We just decided to kind of claim him, you know, to just be like, you know what? This incredible director, this incredibly creative person has roots in, in Cuba. Perhaps, yes, they tie, they tie back to Spain, which, by the way, nothing wrong with Spain. You know, like I have I clearly have Spanish roots because, you know, colonization. We all do. Oh, my God. Exactly. We, we all like, do. We all do <laughs> at this point, you know. So I was like, but we can make the yeah. choice to be like, we claim this person as our own, you know, almost like especially because he's created these incredibly smart, revealing films that, you know, just so happen to yeah. to tell these, thor- these stories through a horror lens. So, you know, I get it that for some people they might be like, no, not Romero doesn't, doesn't count. But for us, he absolutely does. He absolutely does. But I think... That's also part of, like, the bigger conversation about Latino and Latine identity in general. Like, Johnny and I are both half Latino, right? We are both uh, have Latino moms, but our dads are white as hell, are fucking white dudes. Like, mine is literally from the old country, you know what I mean? He is a white man and old, but, you know, that's a different conversation. Uh, But, and not only are we white Latinos, but we're also white Latinos that were raised in countries that weren't of our parents' nationality. So there's that. But then also now, at least for me, I have lived in the U.S. longer than I have outside of the U.S., which is still a big chunk of my life. But like my Spanish isn't completely fluent. I still have insecurities about my Latinidad. I grew up with a family who used to make fun of me for being white looking and and all that stuff, which honestly, true, you should. (laughs) Why not? But but like, you know what I mean? It's like, so I, I grew up with this, am I Latino enough? And I think that's a really big conversation in the Latino community, not just like the Nosawo kids that were raised in the U.S. about black Latinos and their like Latinidad and the and their worthiness within the community. Like there is such a disparity in the conversation and like how about how Latino you are, which is such a fucking bummer, dude. And like I think one of the big things with our podcast is we want to be feel connected to our Latinidad and this is a way for us to do that but also to find the connections with other people that may not feel that connection as strongly as well or provide a way to feel that connection also and it's it's such a hard conversation because 
It's so easy to become defensive. It's so easy to be like, but this is mine and I don't really want to share it with somebody who doesn't know or isn't well versed about its history and the things that have gone on. So I don't know. I think the more perspectives on it, the better. And I think Romero's story is similar to a lot of people's story, either have a connection to Latin America, to Latin American people, to culture. It's a great starter of a conversation that is so much bigger. Absolutely. I think in general. Yes. And you know, that was, uh, that was part of the adventure of this podcast was for us to reconnect, you know, to get back there. Um, if mm-hmm. Eileen's Spanish is faulty, mine is uh, literally, I mean, good, like a, a crackling subterranean mess. It is just so bad. <laughs> but, you know, because of this podcast, I've recommitted, you know, I've got my babble. I've recommitted to taking my, my lessons, babble. you know, which honestly, that being said, you don't have to do that to be Latino. That's the thing. You don't have to. You know, we are so expansive. We are this huge, huge community. You know, speaking for myself, yeah. growing up, like, just like Eileen mentioned, like, my dad is white, my, me mama is de Honduras. And so, like, growing up in Latin America, in countries that I was not from, you know, I connected very much to what you would call, like, oh, the, the kids from the United States, like... Uh, the embassy kids or the military kids, whatever. The expats or whatever. Exactly. But at the same time, because I came, you know, because I moved here from, because I moved to whatever, whichever specific country from the United States. But at the same time, I was like, but I'm not quite like you. And then at the same time with the, you know, with the Latinx, Latine kids, I was like, I am like you and I'm not. And it also depended on the person, you know, like sometimes, you know, with a lot of the kids who live there, they'd be mm-hmm. like, no, you're not from here, which I was like, respect that. Totally get it. I absolutely understand. So now cut to however many years later, it is a very complicated thing where, you know, I feel like I know that I'm a Latino. My relationship to my Latinidad is a complicated thing that will take time. And I'm very excited to continue to explore what it what it is, who I am, but also with respect and patience. Because, for example, when we when we do movies from say Colombia or Uruguay, I'm a visitor there. I'm not from there, so mm-hmm. for me, it's just like it's such an opportunity to yes reconnect to who I am, but also to be like we are so much more. There are so many of us. Yeah. There are so many traditions and cultures and everything that we don't know about. And But to just go into this with my specific lens, which is, you know, unlike any others, this is my specific lens, but to make sure I try to do this with respect, but also in a way that honors myself, you know? It can mm-hmm. be a bummer sometimes because, like, for example... Occasionally, we'll get like a negative comment. First of all, when people are like Latinx, what the fuck are you talking about? And we're like, oh my god, kiss my ass. Ugh, get Pero over también, it. A lot of times, we'll be like, ustedes son gringos, ustedes no son latinos, and I'm like, a, fuck you. I am. <laughs> yes, I am. You don't fucking know me. You probably didn't even listen to the goddamn podcast. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just. It's the kind of thing where this exploration, if you choose to go into it, 
it might be a lot, you know, and like, it's so much fun to go into these movies with Eileen and to, you know, to explore this, this huge, huge realm of horror film that we didn't even know existed. Mm-hmm. And not many people know exists, right. but just to know that it is there and that yeah. these stories are being told. It's like, if you want to go there, it doesn't even have to be through horror film or through Latinx horror film, but it is there, you know, and take your time. Yeah. Everybody's journey is different and uh, it's going to be complicated. <laughs> you know, it's going to be a little bit emotional and scary at times, <laughs> but if you want to go there, it is absolutely worth it. What I'm doing, you know, to speak for you, Eileen, what we are doing and uh, just trying mm-hmm. to be patient with ourselves and try to be respectful and open. And also vulnerable. It definitely puts us in a place of like, okay, I'm going to have to deal with some internal yes. stuff right now. Like, there's a lot of times through these movies, and what's so wonderful is not just the Latinidad, but then you go a step deeper where you're like, okay, uh, a woman's view in this Latino world, or the view of a queer person, or the other branches that go within the Latino life, there's still an extra other steps to go deeper within that. So it's realizing and being open to having a discussion on how it's affecting us individually, which can oftentimes open up a bunch of other doors and other conversations. And it's, at least for me, I have a very strong, stubborn streak, and I am very black and white about a lot of stuff. And I've can absolutely say and feel that that's not gone, but I do find myself softening at the edges a lot more these days in my strong stances and stuff because I don't want to be closed off to people's points of view, especially my best friend. Like it feels, it feels gross to me to be that person that's like, I can't and I don't want. And it's too much for me. It feels cowardly. So I think it's such a wonderful thing to be able to tap into my own vulnerability when it comes to my feelings, which are very strong about this kind of stuff, about Latinidad, about the other branches that expand from it. So it's it's been really great to just explore all of that within me. If I can add on to that, my experience growing up in Latin America was a privileged experience. Oh, I second that emotion. So, yeah. So for me, to, I mean. <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll speak for both of us. You know, like, we went to American schools. You see us walking down the street. We're fucking white kids. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's also something going into this that we do need to um, not reconcile, but we do need to be aware of, like, how we grew up in Latin America be willing to reconnect with or even discover who we are on that side, but also be ready to confront unfortunate truths about like how we grew up and the people we were and be willing to accept that like maybe who we were, there were some things that were kind of ugly there, you know? And uh, yeah. And just to be willing to, (laughs) that is what is especially difficult sometimes, is just to be like, wow, my experience growing up in Brazil or Bolivia or Nicaragua 
is a very, very different experience to the majority of the people living in that country or those countries. Yeah. But also to look at that, to not judge yourself for any of that, Oof. but to be willing to kind of experience it, which is, it seems like such a, an inconsequential thing to say because we're talking about horror movies, but- But it's very real. These are themes that are, ex- yeah, these are themes that are explored. Moral of the story, who better to, you know, get into this than with my best friend. Exactly. <laughs> Johnny is a safe space for me, and I try and be a safe space for him as much as possible. And in turn, we try to make our podcast a safe space for everybody that wants to come in and hang out with us. Absolutely. I mean, that's why we say at the end of the episode, we're like, we're on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, send us an email, talk, talk to, to us. us. Like, aquí estamos. We're here to learn. Yeah. You know, we're here to collab, clearly, you know, like we're doing right now. But also to just laugh. This is about our community. Yeah. Oh, to laugh. Yeah. (laughs) Always. Mm, Always. Thank you so much for both of your perspectives because it's so true. And I think the thing is too, is like all three of us occupy the liminal space, right? We kind of like straddle the line. And so it is very difficult for us. Like we all respectively have had more Mm. privileged than our families that live in the, the Latin countries. I just got back from Mexico and I always come back with like, of guilt because it's like well why was I the lucky one who got all these like opportunities and resources and knowledge and this and that and it is sort of difficult I am so much different than the rest of my extended family and our existences it's going to trigger some people and that's just the reality but that doesn't mean that like all in our respective ways we're not trying to honor and be there and show up for our culture you know And your podcast is doing that all the time. So I really hope that you realize that you are putting in the work because horror is such an underappreciated genre. And the fact that like whenever there's a horror movie, you know, and the Academy doesn't ever recognize them is such a bummer to me. Agreed. Agreed. Horror conveys so much. Romero's films are very political. I mean, even before Romero, like Val Luton, and he had a message in all of his movies. Horror has been a way of sharing a story or having a discussion about something that is difficult or ugly or, and it's layered, you know? Yeah. The amount of times we've cried on the podcast just because we're like, and then this, and then you're just like, wait, my emotions, I'm feeling it because it's, at the end of the day, you can throw a bucket of blood on top of anybody, but it's always when the movie has a very basic real life plot point attached to it. No matter how much blood and guts you throw on top of it, it's still going to hit you in the spot that it's meant to hit because it's the human part of it is going to tap into the real life part of you. Mm. And that's what's great. Y'all, this has been such an amazing and powerful conversation. I really, I really thank you both for taking the time and just, you know, chatting with me. Um, Everyone, please listen to their podcast. Uh, Is there anything you'd like to pitch, promote? Like, where can we find y'all, either together or separately, respectively? Like, let us know. How can people keep up, follow, and support you? Yes, of course. Um, Well, find us on our, uh, as we say at the end of our pod, redes sociales. You can find us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on TikTok at Uikiorror. We have a Patreon right now. We're working on uh, on, uh, having a a Last of Us discussion on there. Um, So join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Uikiorror. 
oh, my Instagram and my social medias, which is usually either uh, dog videos or uh, honestly comments on horror movies still. Also animation. I do like to talk about cartoons a bunch. I'm at Eileen, A-I-L-E-E-N, Lil, L-I-L, hands with a Z all over and all the things. Eileen, Lil, hands. That's me. And uh, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Johnny Elliott. That's J-O-N-N-Y-E-L-I-O-T. Follow along, everybody. And join us at Week Road, please. We're having a great time. <laughs> yes. Come check us out. Listen to us. And um, at the end of the day, we're at least giving you a solid movie recommendation. Every Friday, we let you know what movie we're going to watch. And then uh, all of our episodes come out every Monday. And honestly, every Thursday, we drop a pretty funny TBT because Johnny and I have a history of pictures that you won't be sorry if you see them. Or maybe you will because you're like, (laughs) there's some embarrassing shit out there. And I I never ask Johnny either. I just post. I'm just like, this is what I'm doing. What horrible angle did we take a photo this time? I mean, for me, every time I see a picture of us, Johnny, I'm always like, look at this beautiful god of a man. And then the troll he's standing next to. Stop being mean to yourself. I know. It's always just, it's an adventure for me. I'm like, what's it going to be today? (laughs) Everyone, please listen to their podcast. It's so good. I'm actually in the show notes. I'm going to post like five of my favorites for people to check out because you really do a great job and I'm just so grateful that the idea popped into your head and you've given us this this verbal medicine of horror movies, you know? Well, we appreciate you having us on the pod and please everybody look out for Bex herself on our podcast. You have it correct, everybody. We are doing a major crossover. Hell yeah. And I mean, not for nothing, let's tell everybody what movie we're doing here. We're going to be doing a Romero movie, Dawn of the Dead. So that's going to be super fun. I'm excited because it's going to finish off the trilogy because you've already done one and three. So we're doing two. You're getting the middle guy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this episode. I, you know what? Originally, my plan was not to release on 420, but I feel like it's just something I had to do. I listened to this episode and I just loved it so much and I just couldn't wait to put it out in the world. Thank you again for listening. Support Weekel Roar, all of the different ways to support them on the redes sociales or to listen to the podcast. I list my some of my favorite episodes because they have so many and just like their perspectives on these films are really good they're so good and i'm so glad to claim them i'm glad that you're one of us one of us we will make you one of us thank you for listening this is tutia bruja can't wait to hear can't wait to hang out with you again bye y'all Yeah.